This episode is supported by Active Skin Repair. Active Skin Repair is a skin health company helping people heal with natural, non-toxic, medical-grade ingredients. I just randomly... Vinny was having a toe skin irritation issue and he ended up having this like skin that was really irritating him and it was getting kind of like icky and you know like when kids start to get like little scabs and scratches and then they want to pick at it and it was getting worse and so active skin repair showed up on my doorstep as a result of the sponsorship and I got to put it to use immediately and I got the ointment formula or the like ointment formulation and then also the spray and the spray was perfect so Vinny does not like ointmenty creamy lotiony things on his body but I was able to get out the spray literally took it out of the packaging the day it arrived put it on his toe before he went to bed and the next morning he was like mom my toe's all better it was literally like this super amazing cure that helped his toes so quickly so you can use active skin repair on a wide range of skin issues including cuts scrapes burns sunburns rashes other types of skin damage it's totally safe non-toxic suitable on all types of skin even parts of the body where you might have rosacea or eczema or have acne prone skin this is also safe for the young members of your family up to the oldest. So now you have one simple solution for your family's skin health needs. With over 500,000 happy customers and thousands of five-star reviews and super safe and clean ingredients, active skin repair is something that you want to have on hand for your family. So to get your own active skin repair, go to activeskinrepair.com to learn more about active skin repair and get 20% off your order when you use the code shameless. That's activeskinrepair.com. Use the code shameless for 20% off your order. Activeskinrepair.com, code shameless. Welcome to the Shameless Mom Academy. I'm your host, Sarah Dean, and I'm here to give you and other passionate, dedicated moms the tools you need to bridge the gap between motherhood and living the life of your dreams. I'm also here to help you be a little more shameless every day, because if you aren't building a life you're extraordinarily proud of, what kind of legacy are you building? So let's dive in. Michelle Duncan Wilson is the founder of Soul Work for Moms, an online resource for mothers who are struggling. Michelle knows that mothering is all things joyous, painful, amazing, terrifying, and the list goes on and on. One thing's for sure, though, it's seldom what you thought it would be. Soul Work for Moms shares the stories of motherhood and provides resources to help you grow. Michelle is the mother of three children, ages 17, 8, and 3, and she lives with her husband and her children in Cincinnati, Ohio. I am so grateful to Michelle for coming on today. We had such a fantastic time talking about her life experience and just the amazing wisdom she has built and captured over her years in parenting. Becoming a mom at 17 is kind of a life-changing thing. And so she's going to talk about what that was like when she was 17 and what that's like now that she has a daughter who is 17. So Michelle's going to talk about life as a teen mom. She's going to talk about how she crammed 40 years of life experience into her first 25 years of life, including having a child, getting married, getting divorced, buying a house, all these big, huge life experiences that she just did right out of the gates. So she's going to talk about all that. She's going to talk about what she wants her 17-year-old daughter to know about being a 17-year-old mom. She's going to talk about how mothering has been different, but not easier with her younger children that she had later in life. She's going to talk about why we are not meant to mold our children, but to accept them in any shape they are. She's going to talk about why mothering pain is not for nothing. And she's going to talk about how she's currently thriving in evolution through motherhood. This interview was so delightful. And I'm so thankful that Michelle came on to share her story and share her wisdom. She spoke with such candor and such grace. And I know that you are going to learn from her and really enjoy what she has to say and enjoy hearing her story and hearing about how she works with moms to inspire other moms to get as much as they can out of the life they're living in motherhood and beyond. So let's go ahead and dive in with Michelle Duncan Wilson. Michelle Duncan Wilson, welcome to the Shameless Mom Academy. I'm very excited to have you here today. I'm excited to be here, Sarah. Thanks for having me. So I'm super excited to dive into your story. You reached out to me via email to share about your experience in motherhood, and there's so many things that I'm looking forward to really diving a little deep into. But before that, I want you to tell us a little bit about the dynamics of your personal and professional life beyond your biography. Yeah, sure. So I have three children. They're ages three, eight, and 17. And I live in Cincinnati. I'm a stay-at-home mom, but I also have 
this huge project that I work on about 20 hours a week, and that's called Soul Work for Moms. I love that name. Before we get into the mom stuff, how did you come yeah. up with that name, which is mom-related? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So this is kind of a good story. I'm really close with my dad. He lives in California, and anytime that I have really any problems, I usually call him. And motherhood was, we'll get into this, but motherhood was just a really big struggle for me for a lot of years. And I created a workshop and I can't even remember what I called it. I'd have to look it up. But the subtitle for the workshop was Soul Work for Moms. And when I told my dad what I was doing, he was like, Soul Work for Moms, that's it. He's like, that's it. That's you. That's what you're doing. That's what you've done. And that's what you are wanting to help other women to do. And I was like, oh, yeah. Yeah, that is it. Oh, my gosh. Thanks, Dad. Thanks again. You know, I love that. That's so great. And that's funny because my title for the podcast was very similar. It was like in having a conversation with someone about like, this is what I want to talk to moms about. And all of a sudden it just kind of popped out that like, she's like, well, there's your name right there. Like I said, well, I just want moms to be like more selfish and more shameless and blah, blah. She's like, you just named your show. So. Yes. Oh my gosh. And you know what, Sarah, you saying that even reminded me that the reason I even put the subtitle of the workshop was because I went to this like local kind of marketing meetup kind of thing. And they had these name tags and they said, you know, hello, my name is, and then it said, ask me about, and I hadn't even started my business yet. I had just written that first workshop and, you know, I just didn't know what to put. And so I wrote, ask me about soul work for moms. And the lady, this lady came up to me and she was like, soul work for moms. Oh, I would so be into something like that. Oh, so yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Isn't it just funny? Kind of, it just, things just come out. Like <laughs> They're meant to be there. That's right. So a lot of my listeners have younger children. You have been a mother for a while now and you've kind of had like multiple, well, you've had different experiences, but you have like a big age gap between your kids. So you've gone through motherhood at different times in your life. So I'm really excited yes. to hear what that's been like. So tell us about your journey into motherhood. Yeah, so I got pregnant at the age of 17 and gave birth to my daughter who is now 17. So then I've been a mother my entire adult life. It's the only thing that I have done consistently since leaving school. And I also have so many diverse experiences of motherhood because when I got pregnant with my daughter, I was living on my own, living with my boyfriend, working a minimum wage job. I ended up being, you know, on WIC, all any type of, you know, government program. I was on it just to get by. I was still working, but I had daycare vouchers. I mean, I really was in that just having no resources right. stage, not even stage, but just that was my life. And then Right before my second child was born, I was a working mom. I know what that's like to be working full time, to be at work when you go into labor. And then for my third child, I've been a stay-at-home mom. And I mean, it's not perfect in that order, my whole story, but I just feel like I have a lot of compassion and empathy for women in all kinds of situations, whether you have no money, whether you are able to pay the bills and you're still not happy and then you feel guilty about that or whether you are working or part-time working or not working. I mean, there are struggles in all of those scenarios and it's easy to think when you're in one to look at the other person, you know, if you're a stay-at-home mom to look at the working mom and just be like, oh my gosh, she gets to go to work every day and dress up and go out to eat, you know, but the working mom is also struggling looking at the stay-at-home mom saying, oh my gosh, she gets to, you know, not call off work when her kids are sick and just, you know, the grass is not always greener on the other side, right. I guess is what I'm trying to say. Yeah, no, that's so interesting because I I work from home while my child's in childcare. And yeah. there's a lot of times where I'm like, gosh, I wish I could like dress up kind of nice and go to work. Like, it's, right. it's, I think that, I think it's just part of human nature. You're always comparing and you're always noticing other, what other people have. Yes. So let's go back and talk a little bit about entering motherhood at such a young age. So you were living with your boyfriend. Were you out of high school or still in high school at that time? So I have kind of like hippie, a hippie dad living in California. And after ninth grade, we did homeschooling, but we okay. did this type of homeschooling that's called unschooling and it's where there's no curriculum. So I finished everything by the age of 16. Oh and gosh. in California, there's this thing called the high school proficiency exam where once you pass that exam, 
you're done with school. It's not a GED. You have fulfilled the requirements of high school. And so I actually left my dad's house and moved to Ohio. My parents are divorced. That's where my mom was living. And I had entered college to go to school. I wanted to be a chiropractor. And I was taking chiropractic prerequisites at the local college. And I was living with my boyfriend who was several years older than me. And I got pregnant. And, you know, we could spend a whole hour talking about how that (laughs) happened, but I won't go into those details on this show. But very surprisingly, was not expecting to become pregnant at the age of 17. And so, yeah, we were actually living in a house with like six other people. And then when we found out that I was pregnant, we had the whole conversation of, you know, what are we going to do? Again, we could go into those details. (laughs) But that's for another show. But did we you consider, just to, to go into that a little yeah, bit, yeah. did you consider d- lots of different options or did you know immediately that you were going to keep the baby and raise the baby? You know, I considered in terms of, I knew that there were lots of options available, different choices that I had to make, but they just really never entered in terms of, should I do that? Should I not do that? There wasn't much thought put into them. I just somehow, and I now see, I know why, because this is what I was meant to do. Motherhood is what I was supposed to do with my life. But at the time, I didn't know that. I did not want to be a mom. I was really, really mad that that had messed up my plans for life. But I still, there was just something in me that thought like, okay, I'm having this baby, you know? And even if my boyfriend at the time, even if he had said like, see ya, I still would have done everything the same way, you know? And I can't explain it other than just a knowing, even though I was so scared and so upset and so mad. I just, I don't know. It was, I, I didn't think, oh, I'm definitely having this baby. I just thought like, yeah, I guess I'm having a baby. Yeah. And I think that some people have that clarity that like, in spite of being terrified, (laughs) right? Like it doesn't feel like there's another option. Yeah. What was your support system like in terms of family and friends and your boyfriend at that time? Was everyone supportive and on board or how did that look? Well, I was scared to tell everyone, of course, and we actually told my boyfriend's mom first, and she was really supportive. I mean, she was upset, but she was really supportive. I called my dad. My dad is the type of guy, I mean, I've already talked about him already on on this interview. He just was like, oh, wow, cool. Congratulations. You know, he has just a very much intrinsic, unconditional love that I could tell him anything and he'd be like, oh, wow. All right. How can I support you? And then I told my mom, who is pretty conservative Christian, and she was just really, really happy to hear that I wasn't having an abortion, honestly. And so I think everyone was tentatively happy, you know. Which is kind of the best you can hope for. (laughs) Right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because things can get pretty touchy among families. I mean, when, when you're that young. And I'm wondering if maybe the fact that like you had finished high school at such a young age, and you had really moved into adulthood at a young age, maybe made that feel more, maybe made this like really adult transition into motherhood, even though it was terrifying, maybe made it seem a little bit more age appropriate, even though you were so young. That's a good point. And I hadn't really thought about it like that. But you know, it wasn't like I was like my daughter is right now. She's a senior and she's, you know, living at home and I'm still driving her to doctor's appointments. So it wasn't like that. But I'm sure now going back when I talked to my parents about it, you know, my dad said, he said it it was a really good chance for me to practice unconditional love. So, you know, yes, I might have not been living this, the traditional quote unquote, life of a 17 year old, but I still I was 17, you know, for sure. This episode is supported by a podcast I want to share with you called Understood Explains. So this show is about navigating ADHD, dyslexia, and other learning and thinking differences, which can be so confusing. And so every uh, season of the show is around a different theme. So there's a season on special education, there's a season on ADHD diagnosis for adults, and the current season is all about IEPs. I love this podcast because the episodes are 10 to 15 minutes long. So if you are short on time or short on focus, you can take this content in super quickly, easily. It's very digestible. And the show is hosted by teacher and special education expert, Juliana Utube. So Juliana talks all about how to navigate educational plans, 
IEPs. She talks about the differences between IEPs and 504 plans. She really breaks things down in a really clear and simple way so that you have some of those questions that you might be thinking around like, does this pertain to my child? Is this something I need to be looking into? Like, where do we go from here? Where do I go if I have questions? Juliana has you covered. She explains so many different things and so many different little pieces and nuance of IEPs and special education and different things on Understood Explained. So I want you to go check it out wherever you're listening to this podcast. You can go listen to Understood Explains. Just go into your podcast app, do a search for Understood Explains, and it will pop right up. Click on it, pick your episode, and get the answers that you've been looking for and the support that you need around different learning differences and differences in school. This episode is supported by AquaTrue. Having clean, safe water is the last thing you want to worry about. But unfortunately, according to extensive research by the Environmental Working Group, three out of four, yes, three out of four homes in America have harmful contaminants in their tap water. So that's why you got to check out AquaTrue. AquaTrue purifiers have a four-stage reverse osmosis purification process. And their countertop purifiers, which is what we have, take no installation or plumbing, and they remove 15 times more contaminants than ordinary pitcher filters and they're specifically designed to combat chemicals like PFAS, which can lead to potentially adverse health effects like cancer, endocrine system disruption, and liver toxicity, which is part of what makes AquaTrue so special, unique, and important in terms of how they are able to filter water. They also have water purifiers to fit every type of home. So like the installation-free countertop purifier that we have at our house to higher capacity under sink options. They even have Wi-Fi connected purifiers and mineral boost options. So I'm so excited about our new AquaTrue. And here's the thing. I swear it's like a gentle reminder to actually drink more water every time you walk into your kitchen. So we are drinking more water now and also more clean water. So more water that is more clean. It feels like a double win. I'm feeling pretty impressed with us. I feel like sink water, tap water becomes invisible at a certain point. And when I see the purifier on my counter, it's like many time a day reminder to like, keep drinking, keep drinking. So I want you to check out AquaTrue for yourself and for your family. AquaTrue comes with a 30 day money back guarantee and that makes it a great gift as well. Today, my listeners, can receive 20% off any AquaTrue purifier when you go to AquaTrue.com. That's A-Q-U-A-T-R-U.com and enter the code SHAMELESS at checkout. That's 20% off any AquaTrue purifier when you go to AquaTrue.com and use the code SHAMELESS, S-H-A-M-E-L-E-S-S, AquaTrue.com code SHAMELESS. Yeah. Did you have your, you and your boyfriend, what about your social network and circle of friends? I mean, that's a time in life when like friends can be pretty significant and they can feel like family. And if they can't relate to your situation, I'm sure that's extremely challenging. Oh, we completely were cut off from our friends after that. And it wasn't because they were, you know, meaning to, but they were still doing their, you know, late teens, early twenties lifestyles. And a baby was, I remember (laughs) one time we had gone to, we were really into music and we were going to, you know, shows and concerts all the time. And we went to this show, local show after going to like birth prep classes. And we still had like our name tags on that we forgot to take (laughs) off. And so when we showed up, like all of her friends just looked at us like, uh, did, did you just come from class? Dude? You know, it was, but oh, we, so funny. we moved out of that house where we had the other roommates and we got our own little one bedroom apartment and we just really tried the best that we could. We were both working. My boyfriend at that time decided then to go to a local community college and we just had to decide to get really serious about life really fast. And so looking back now I'm 35 so it's easy to do hindsight is 2020 but looking back that was a gift that was an advantage that I had where I at the time before I even legally was an adult I had to think really hard about getting serious about my life and what is it that I'm trying to do and so that kind of I think gave me like a leg up really you know Mm -hmm. having a baby young could really puts you back in a lot of ways. But in that way, having to mature and just not having time for the BS, that was a gift. Yeah, I can see that being a hindsight discovery. Yeah, for sure. That's very cool. So you and your boyfriend lived together and had the baby. And I'm assuming this is not the same person, the same father of your that's right. Two children. Yes. Yeah. Well, I was just based on something you said earlier. I was like, it sounds like that's not so you guys. So the baby was born. we didn't make it. Okay. okay. The baby was <laughs> yeah. born. And then how long did that relationship last? So we were together a total of almost five years, but we got divorced when So you, you did marry. We got married. Okay. And my daughter, you know, she was like, 
she was either one or two at the wedding, but we were divorced before our first wedding anniversary. And I think that with that, I mean, we talked about that. We had actually a pretty relatively good breakup. I mean, breakups are bad. Usually otherwise they wouldn't happen. But we do say, are able to say now, like, look, if we hadn't have gotten pregnant, we probably would not have lasted. And so we did, we bought a house and we, you know, got our, into our careers. And I think that, you know, once that wedding happened and once we just kind of came back down to reality of like, okay, we've got the house and we've got the, you know, marriage and we've got it all. And we just, you know, I know I was like, okay, this is not what I want for my life, you know? And so there, we divorced, but we still, you know, talk all the time. I just texted with him yesterday because our daughter got her wisdom teeth taken out and it was hard breakups. There's are always hearts that are broken, but you know, it's just how my life was supposed to go. Right. Lots of learning experiences real early. Oh my gosh, Sarah. Yes. (laughs) Well, I mean, and some of that it's like, you know, as you go through those things, it's incredibly challenging and overwhelming and I'm sure extremely emotional and I'm sure that there was a lot of, you know, ups and downs and highs and lows, but it's also like the amount of maturing that you did in that amount of time, you know, by the time you were 25, you had like lived a life that most people have lived by the time they're like 45. And so, (laughs) I mean, I think there's a level of maturity that comes with that and a level of wisdom that comes with that. That's really powerful. Yeah. I mean, I'm now really passionate about helping other teen moms because of that. Certainly my experience is not the normal experience for someone who has a baby as a teenager. And so I recognize that not everyone is, you know, in their career and owning a house and being married and running a business by the time they're 25. But I think it's also really empowering to show someone regardless of what age you are, that you've got it in you. And I think, oh, I can't think of the author's name right now. I'll have to send it to you for the show notes. But she says, you can do hard things. And Glennon, we, it's Glennon Doyle Melton. Okay. Because <laughs> I'm Thank obsessed you. with her. <laughs> All right. And, and I love that saying. Like, that's one of my favorite sayings. Yeah. And I say it to my daughter, you know, and I will say it to my sons right now. They they seem pretty invincible. They seem pretty <laughs> sure of themselves. But when the time comes, you know, we can do hard things. Yeah. And just because you've been given a book that maybe seems like you know what the ending is, it's really a choose your own adventure. Right, right. And for those of you who wonder who the name I just yelled out, Glennon Doyle Melton is, and I've mentioned her before on the show, she's the author of Carry On Warrior and Love Warrior, which is a current New York Times bestseller. So I will definitely link to her work. Both of her books are excellent. I'll link to her in the show notes over at shamelessmom.com if you go to episode 80. So let's go ahead and talk about back in that time when you were a brand new 17-year-old mom, what were the biggest challenges of that time? And what are you most grateful for surrounding that experience? I think the biggest challenges were fear. Also, not yet knowing myself, you know, like not to get too, I don't know, deep and personal, but I didn't even really know how like all of my body functioned when I was going to give birth. You know, like I think I had just learned how to put in a tampon and some can say, well, why were you having sex? But that's a different, you know, that's a different show. But, you know, you learn so much about yourself through your 20s. I hadn't done any of that. And so I think I was just a deer in the headlights. So that was definitely the biggest challenge. But aside from, you know, just paying bills and going to work and having a paycheck to buy diapers and all of that kind of stuff. But What I'm most grateful for about that experience is that I kind of talked about this earlier, but I could not have planned that for my life if I had tried. And I spent a lot of years being really sad and really resentful about why, oh, why my life did this happen to me. But that was a gift for me. And it was a gift in that I learned more about myself. I learned more about what is important in life. You know, it didn't happen eventually. It took, I'm still learning, right? But (laughs) I wouldn't change it for the world now. And that's not even having to do with, of course, my daughter that I just love her. And she's just the light of my life. Even not even including that, all of what those hardships gave to me, I am so thankful for those now. Yeah, I think that makes a lot of sense. And again, it's hard when you're in it, you don't see Mm. that. But no, when you look back, you have that perspective of like how that's so impactful to who you are today. Yeah. 
So what do you want your 17-year-old daughter to know about motherhood? And how do you talk to her about where you were when you were 17 as opposed to where she is at 17? And what's that conversation like? Well, we've definitely have had the sex conversation probably a lot earlier than what some other people may have had with their children. I've always been very open about relationships and what are you looking to get out of a relationship and even go so far as to have those conversations of how far do you want to go with a boy and how do you know you need to be making those decisions before you are in the moment. Don't be making those decisions in the moment. So we've had a lot of those very candid conversations. Again, with the age difference with her and her two younger brothers, she was nine when I had our second child and then she was 14 when we had the third. So she has a very visceral experience of what a baby does to your life. You know, she really really understands, you know, she didn't wake up for the baby, but she certainly woke up sometimes because of the baby's crying and just to see all of the care that it takes. So she will be going into that eyes wide open for sure. But I think more than anything, what I want her to know is that you don't have to be perfect to be a mom. And also that you are not meant to mold and shape your children. You are meant to love them in whatever form they take, to have that unconditional love for them, whether they end up having a teen pregnancy or whether they end up, you know, getting a scholarship to an Ivy League school and winning a Nobel Prize. Your love for them should be equally the same. And I think that I had had so many hopes for my children, as parents do, and inevitably they will not fulfill all of those hopes because what do we want for our children? We want them to be, you know, so smart and never upset and, you know, to make a million dollars and to do it by the time they're 15. You know, we want all of these great things for our kids because we don't want them to suffer. But in doing so, we have to make sure that we're very careful that we are showing them that they are intrinsically lovable regardless of the grades that they bring home, regardless of anything, they are just lovable just because they exist. I love that. I love that idea of not being responsible for molding and shaping your children, but accepting them in whatever form they're in. That's so awesome, which is very different, I think, than the messages we sometimes hear or just the messages we tell ourselves. Like we feel so responsible for making things turn out a certain way and then we feel very responsible when they don't happen that way, which I'm sure like your parents, you know, when you were pregnant at 17, I'm sure your parents, and I know this actually happened in my family with the situation where the parents look at it and they're like, well, did we do something wrong? Or like, how could this happen? Or how could we have prevented it? Like, and the the parents tend to make it about themselves (laughs) instead of like, let's support this child in any way that we can. Yeah. And I think it's scary because that doesn't mean, you know, if I'm going to accept my daughter or, you know, all of my children, but we're talking about my daughter here, if I'm going to accept her in whatever form she takes, that doesn't mean that I don't guide her. Right. Right. And that doesn't mean that I don't have conversations with her of, you know, about drugs or alcohol or all of those things. You know, if if your kid comes home and you smell alcohol in their breath, which I'm not trying to out my daughter, that hasn't happened yet. (laughs) You know, if your kid comes home like that, it doesn't mean like, well, I guess my kid's just bound to be an alcoholic. You know, I'm just gonna have to love them unconditionally. No, that's not what I'm saying. What I'm saying is you do what you intuitively know to do, which is to get your child help or whatever the thing is that you need to do and have the acceptance or the surrender that you still aren't going to control it all and that we can still love our children through it all. Right, right, definitely. So you have now two younger children. Tell us about starting over. I mean, it sounds like almost like two different, I'm guessing it it was was like two different lifetimes kind of. Yeah, 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 yeah. I mean, in a lot of ways, all three of my children are like, like only children, you know, because they're all doing their own things. But the second time around, so I had, of course, this, as you might imagine, feeling of like, well, I'm going to do it the quote right way this time, you know, (laughs) and I told my husband, I don't want to be a mom until I can be a stay at home mom. And I'm going to have an unmedicated birth and I'm going to breastfeed and, you know, da, 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 the list goes on and on and on. And I did those things. I had the unmedicated birth and I breastfed until I thought I was going to die, you know, and (laughs) I, I just did all of it and I was miserable. I was so miserable. 
And I think that it's because I had placed every ounce of my personal fulfillment into that role of motherhood. You know, I was trying to make up for all the things that I felt guilty about with my first pregnancy, raising her. And I was trying to just show the world, show myself that, you know, I really can do it, guys. I really can do a great job. And I just had a terrible depression after that. And that is really where my work was born, was out of feeling so low, getting everything that I wanted, and yet still feeling just terrible. Yeah, that's such an interesting point. So we recently went through failed IVF. And Mm. a lot of the reason that I had a very challenging first year of motherhood, it was not what I thought it was going to be. And, and a lot of the reason that I felt really tied to trying again, was because I wanted to like recreate that I wanted to have like this magical first year. And I was like, I'm going to do everything differently. And like, I'm not going to put all this pressure on myself for nursing, which nursing killed me. I hated it. It was Mm. horrible. And I was like, I'll just do it. So, you know, it'll be so much more mellow the second time around. And in talking with friends and with my therapist, it was like, your reason for having another child can't be because you want to do over. Right, right, right. Because you want to like create the romantic vision of motherhood, because it's really like, it's never romantic when you're in the thick of it. It's only romantic when you're like past all that. And then you look at a picture of the like, tiny little baby. Oh my gosh, I know. It's so funny. So yeah, (laughs) Yeah, and you know, for every woman that has a child or doesn't have a child and longs to have a child. I mean, there are the same number of heartbreak stories and triumph stories. And, you know, there's just these movies that we watch where like everything goes perfectly and everything's tied up in a little pretty bow. Like that is not life. You know, life is still messy and yucky and Yes, I really understand what you're saying there. Yeah. So you had your, how old, because your sons are, there's a little bit of a gap between them as well. Yeah, there's five years. And that's why there was a five-year gap between the two of them because, you know, my son, God love him. Today's his birthday. He turned eight today. He was the boy that, I mean, from the moment he came out of the womb, he was unhappy, just very, like, not sleeping, didn't sleep through the night until he was four years old. Oh, my gosh. You know, just, like, constantly hitting, biting, all of that kind of stuff. And so, of course, I internalized all of that. And I was like, great, I'm trying to do everything, quote, right. And I've got this son who's, like, hitting the kids, you know, our little mom and tot playgroup thing. And I just felt terrible about that. And it took five years for me to say like, okay, I think I can do this again. So then when we had our third child, you know, I call him my angel baby because (laughs) (laughs) he was the child that we were like, okay, we're going to have another one, but it's going to have to be okay if he's just in daycare and I'm working all the time. Like he's just going to have to be okay. You know, that's just how it's going to have to be. And he, I didn't end up going back to work, which that's a different story. But he's just a happy go lucky kid, you know, like the kid just slept through the night, like immediately and nursed no problem, literally weaned himself like I went to nurse him at 15 months, and he wouldn't nurse and he did not nurse again after that. Like I was crying like, wait, no, we're not done yet. You know. (laughs) And so the reason that he's my angel baby isn't because he's, you know, quote, easy. It's because I didn't do anything different with him and my second son. And so he showed me that I have nothing to do with these kids' personalities. You know, I didn't make this third child an easy, happy-go-lucky kid. He was born like that. And my second child that still at eight years old, he has to have his way. You know, he'd make a great attorney because (laughs) he will argue his point. And I didn't make him that way, you know, and so I can't take responsibility for it. But I also can't feel bad about anything that I think is a a shortcoming, you know, and who am I to say that some personality traits are better or worse? You know, we just are. Well, hey there, busy mama. Are you looking for ways to make your life easier, your home less chaotic, and at the same time, add more joy to your life? My name is Deanna Yates, and I'm the host of Wanna Be Clutter Free a podcast all about letting go of the stuff we don't need in our lives so that we can focus on what truly matters. Don't worry, I'm not going to tell you to throw it all away or make you feel guilty about keeping something you love, no matter how many other people don't quite understand it. But I will give you practical and more importantly, actionable advice so that you can make progress right away. And you won't just hear it from me. There are amazing guests too. 
It's like having your bestie in your pocket, telling you it's okay to let go of the things that are not serving you and your family in a totally non-judgmental way. So join me over on the podcast where we can work on progress over perfection for those of us that want to be clutter-free. If you're a parent, I invite you to join us at the Mindful Mama podcast, where it's all about becoming a less irritable, more joyful parent with sometimes hilarious and always thought-provoking experts and friends. At Mindful Mama, we know that you cannot give what you do not have. And when you have calm and peace within, then you can give it to your children. I'm Hunter Clark Fields, and I can't wait to see you there. Listen in to the Mindful Mama podcast. Gosh, I'm totally laughing as you talk about your eight-year-old because my four-year-old and, and your eight-year-old are very similar. Oh, yeah, <laughs> And that was, it's interesting. We had so many friends when they had, we have a lot of friends who had children within the same few months as us. And we were, became groups with two different groups of friends through different parenting classes. Yeah. We have all these little kids born within like two months of each other. So with all of them, many of those parents were ready to have a second, like one and a half years in, they were like, we're going to start trying again. And I was like, are you kidding me? Like, yeah. <laughs> there is no way I would die yeah. if I found out I was pregnant right now. And this, yeah. I mean, this was until my son was like three and a half. I felt that way. And I knew because we had had infertility struggles getting pregnant with him. I was like, I know our time is really limited with our ability to get pregnant, but I still like, I have to wait until I feel at least a little bit ready. Like, yeah. even though like the clock is ticking very quickly, but yes, it's so funny that that personality. And I have to share too, that a girlfriend of mine, she had, I mean, she was a friend of a friend, acquaintance of mine, but she had five kids. And she said that I used to really, like when I had four kids, I was so judgmental of other parents. Their kids would hit, they would bite, they would be rude. And I just would think like, what is wrong with your parents? And then I had my fifth child <laughs> and she realized she just had gotten really lucky that her four kids were happy to follow directions and were just really calm and well-mannered. You know, it's the nature versus nurture thing. And of course, I think there's lots of things that we can do to instill, you know, good morals and habits in our children. I mean, sometimes you just get the kid who he's just going to fight with you just to fight with you. Right. <laughs> Totally, totally. Oh man, I totally understand. So tell us what motherhood has taught you about yourself, having gone through multiple different motherhood experiences at different yeah. ages in your life. Well, overall, it's taught me, I'd say two things. One is how to love unconditionally. That's been a theme of our conversation so far, to truly understand that to love someone means you love them through the bad and the good and through the ugly and the beautiful. And that also spills over then to my relationship with my husband. And what does that look like? What is unconditional love for someone that that really doesn't have to be in my life for the rest of my life if we chose not to be? And how do I love him better even when I'm really mad at him, right? <laughs> and what are those things? So unconditional love. And then I think the second thing that it's really taught me, and this is just through my own, what I call soul work, it's been to drop my story. And if you're familiar with Byron Katie, she uses that line a lot. I'm not necessarily saying it in a Byron Katie kind of way. You know, what's your story? I mean it in my story was that my life was taken away from me when I had a child as a teenager that was just a story. That was not true. And then when I had my second child, my story was that, you know, I really messed up by not fulfilling career desires, that my husband, he has this career that if he were to, you know, if he were to die or we were to get divorced, well, he wouldn't be okay if we die, if he died. But, you know, if we right, were to get right. divorced, he'd be okay. But I wouldn't be, you know, and, and I have, I've really done it to myself that I'm just going to have to go and be a barista at Starbucks to make ends meet. That's a story too, yeah, you know? Yeah. So yeah, it's just taught me to drop that story. Right. Oh, I love that. We actually, I did an interview with Kim Addis a while back and she's a life coach and she talked a lot about your story and like, rewriting your story and not mm -hmm. holding on to your story. Like, and she does this with her life coaching clients through journaling, but she talked about like, you have to really get past your stories to like live the life you want to live because otherwise you're clinging to the stuff that just like holds you, that makes you stuck <laughs> indefinitely. Yeah. And man, is that stuff toxic? Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Yes. So you talk about that you are someone who was not meant to be a mother. 
So tell us about that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So that is the story that I would tell myself is that I wasn't meant to be a mother. And I thought that because I hated going to the park. <laughs> I hated play dates, you know, like I hated getting on the floor and playing Legos with my kids. And so I just felt like, like, man, I don't know what that thing is that makes someone a good mom, but I just don't have it. I don't want to be here. I love my kids, but I don't want to be doing this. I don't want to be doing story time. And so I had a lot of shame around that. And I don't identify that way anymore. I mean, I don't think anymore that I wasn't supposed to be a mother or the mothering type. Because now what I realize are two things. One, there is no mothering type. And if you hate going to the park, don't go to the park. You know, (laughs) someone else can take your kids to the park. But two, I think a lot of the reason that I didn't like those things is because I felt like they were keeping me from spending time on stuff that would fulfill me. And by that, for me, I meant career. And so I felt like, oh, if I'm, you know, I'd be sitting down with a little, you know, Lego horsies playing horse. And the whole time I just would be thinking like, oh my God, this could not end soon enough. I need to go downstairs. I need to work on, you know, X, Y, Z, get me out of here. And so the more that I was able to not get my identity out of career, the more that I was able to actually just drop the clock and just sit down there and actually be able to enjoy the joy that my children were having. And, you know, I don't like playing board games. You know, I'm just not that kind of person. But I will find a book that I will enjoy too reading with my child and I'll sit down and I'll do that. So I try to find things now that actually I like doing too. That doesn't mean that I don't take my kids to the park or that I don't play Legos with them. It's just that I need to find a balance so that I'm enjoying myself so that when my kid does say, hey, mom, will you play Legos with me? That I'll say like, yeah, sure, buddy, I'll do that because I'm already, I'm full myself. Right, right. That totally makes sense. Um, I can so relate to the conflict between like motherhood and profession and the the, like the desire to do both. And sometimes where you're like, motherhood's okay, but like, I'm really good at my work. So let's just do that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, totally. And I mean, that's a lot of why I wanted to go to work, I think, because I was like, you know, when I go to work, I know that I'm good at that. I know that the job that I have, I normally get praise, whether it's from my boss or just that satisfaction of your peers seeing that you're doing a good job, you know, all of those external things to validate that I am a good person. I'm a smart person. And you don't get that validation at home. And yeah. Well, yeah, because children don't validate you. So. No. And if they do, oh my gosh, God, lo- I mean, then that's a whole other unhealthy cycle you've got going on. So, yes. Yeah. yeah. Yes. Another big conversation yeah. um, for another day. So right. uh, tell us about, so you, you stopped working after the birth of your third, of your second son, your third child. And so tell us about what you are doing. Cause I know that you're not just sitting mothering these days. So tell us yeah. about what you've been doing in the last, it's been three years now since he was born. Is that correct? That's right. Yeah. So what happened was I was very down, depressed, just not feeling good about life. And I started, I didn't know it at the time, but I started doing what I call a lot of soul work. Instead of turning away from the pain, I just took it head on and said, I'm just going to work through each one of these things. And what I mean by that is I struggled a lot with body image because I had my daughter when I was so young, you know, my whole adult life, I've had like the, not everyone gets this, but this was my experience. I had like super saggy, you know, mommy belly with like stretch marks that looked like someone took a knife to my stomach, like the really intense ones. And just, you know, my breast changed all of that. And that was my story that I wasn't beautiful anymore. And that caused a lot of pain in my life. So that's one example. And so what I did was I started working with that. I started talking to a therapist. I started taking online classes. I mean, I really got to the point where I was like, one therapist had me standing in front of the mirror naked for 20 minutes. That, oh my I mean, gosh. Tw- that feels like five hours. Okay. Yes. That's but a long time. I, <laughs> taking this long time to just really get through the painful parts of my life. I did the same thing with my marriage. You know, a lot of the things, and, and I'm not going to waste time going through every single thing that I did, but I went through what I called soul work. So I decided then that if that changed my life so much that I really wanted to give back to other women, mothers who are feeling the same way. And I started a website called Soul Work for Moms. And it's the idea, the goal is to just provide support and resources for moms who are having a hard time mothering. Oh, I love that. I mean, when you've done that kind of work, 
I mean, it's so powerful and so transformative, but you see how you can reach out to other moms and how you can impact other moms' lives if you could get them to do just a little bit of that work with yeah. you and if you could lead them through a little bit of that. So that's, that's yeah. so cool. Yeah, and like my meditation, I'm really into meditation and my meditation teacher says, it's just like, it's like being in a beautiful pool and saying to the other people around you, like, hey, come on in, the water's great. You know, just yeah. to encourage people that, you know, you don't have to go through it alone. You aren't the only person to go through it. And we're all here. Our hands are open to, you know, hold your hand if you need it. Right. I love that. That's so great. So tell us about the legacy you're building and how does being shameless play into your legacy? You know, this is such a great question. And I think that the legacy that I'm wanting to build is that our pain is not for nothing and that it's there for a reason. It actually can be a tool for our own transformation. And if we talk about legacy being something that we leave behind, I would want to be leaving behind that thought, that mindset, but also to be just leaving behind, even if it's just my website, you know, that has like, hey, are you struggling with body image? Check out this person. Hey, are you and your husband going through a hard time? Like, here's this woman who has this online course and she's awesome. Like, what a gift just to be able to give that to others. And for my children, though, the legacy would be unconditional love and just knowing that they are inherently lovable. Yes. Yes. In whatever shape they take. Absolutely. Yeah. Anyway. <laughs> so I want to quickly, actually, first tell us where we can find you. And then I want to go through our lightning round because I okay. think this will be fun. So go ahead. Tell us where we can find you. Yeah, it's just soulworkformoms.com. And I have to quickly say that I'm not in a mad, mad dash to build up <laughs> these resources. So it's little by little, you know, the resources are growing, but I'm still a stay at home mom. I'm still, you know, picking the kids up from school and doing all of that. So it's a slow grow. <laughs> awesome. And you have a podcast over there as well on that site. I do. Yeah. I interview moms about their stories just like how they've grown, you know, basically what I've just told you, I, I just try to get that out of out of moms. Awesome. So I definitely want our listeners to go check out your podcast. For all of our listeners who are always looking for new pop, people are always asking me what other mom podcasts. So Oh, I know. So podcast listeners, out. we are junkies. I yeah, know. we need and more. Like, <laughs> yes, totally. Totally. So go check out soulworkformoms.com. And then I'll also link that up in the show notes over at shamelessmom.com for episode 80. And then let's go ahead and hop into our lightning round. So tell us, red wine or white wine? Wah, wah, wah. I do not drink either. <laughs> That's totally fine. Do you have a favorite drink of choice, like anything alcoholic or non-alcoholic? I am totally obsessed with those Zevia sodas, oh. the ones that are made with Stevia. Yeah. I, I mean, yeah, I hope nice. they don't come out and say that those things are, you know, really bad for you right. because I will have cancer. From them. <laughs> <laughs> You'll take cancer over quitting. <laughs> current book that you're reading or the last one you read? The current book that I'm reading is Tears to Triumph by Marian Williamson. Oh, I've been wanting to read that. It's so good. I heard her in an interview when that first came out and she was amazing. I will link to that in the show notes for everyone if you're looking for a good book. I'm sure her interview with Lewis Howes about her new book was phenomenal. Yeah. So. Yep. And then I also have to plug in also Shift into Freedom. That is written by my meditation teacher, Locke Kelly. Shift into Freedom. Okay. I'm writing that down here. And tell us what is your favorite non-work-related thing to do with time to yourself? I love going on walks, like preferably outside, but I love walking on my treadmill and listening to podcasts. <laughs> I really like cooking. I really like doing stuff to my house, like decorating. And then this doesn't happen often with three kids, but I, my dream weekend, it would be a weekend at some sort of retreat, whether it was a meditation retreat or a knitting retreat. I like to knit and do, you know, handcrafts. I always love doing those too. Nice. That's great. What is one morning ritual you can't live without? That would be my meditation ritual. And not even if, usually it's just 10 to 15 minutes. The book that I just mentioned, it has lots of, he calls them glimpse practices. They're very different from traditional meditation. You can even do them with your eyes open. And so I have to have one of those every day or it just doesn't feel the same. Nice. Who is your biggest inspiration? I mean, not to like sound like a broken record, but all of the meditation teachers. I mean, all of just like the self-help teachers too. 
I am such a junkie. Anyone that Marianne Williamson, Locke Kelly, Adyashanti, Eckhart Tolle, I just could listen to that kind of stuff all day long. And I really am inspired to live my life from non-ego identity. Oh, that's so cool. And if you could give all moms one superpower, what would it be and why? Oh my gosh, it would just be to know that they are perfect. Just to know that they, whatever it is that they're doing for their children is perfect. That doesn't mean that they won't change. It doesn't mean they won't grow. But right now where you are, you're perfect. And I would want that to be your superpower because when we can feel and parent from that place, our children will benefit from that. And I truly, it sounds so hokey, but I say that when you grow, you change the world. And that is evolution through motherhood. And that is my tagline, evolution through motherhood by you just knowing yourself, having unconditional love for yourself, that changes the world. Oh, I love that tagline, evolution through motherhood. I'm writing it down right now. (laughs) (laughs) Well, thank you so much for spending time with us today, Michelle. I really appreciate you sharing your story openly and candidly. And as you have things growing and transforming and evolving over on Soul Work for Moms, I would love to have you come back again and we can dive in. I feel like we touched on a number of things that we could return to in another conversation. So definitely come back again when you have some other things you want to talk about. Absolutely. Thank you so much to you for what you do too, Sarah. Oh, thank you. Bye. Thank you so much for listening today. All links mentioned in this episode can be found in our show notes over at episode 80. So if you go to shamelessmom.com, hop over to episode 80, you will find any links mentioned in today's episode. Also, if this episode was inspiring or helpful to you, or you think it would be helpful to someone else, please share it. This is how we get more listeners and we continue to grow. So please do share the Shameless Mom Academy with everyone. So you can do that by going to shamelessmom.com and sharing the link from this episode, or you can find us on social media and share directly from social media. You can go to Instagram or Facebook at the Shameless Mom Academy. Also know that we do release new episodes every Monday and Wednesday. So if this is your first time listening in, please do listen again soon. In just a couple days, we will be back with another amazing episode. And you are always welcome to go back and binge listen to past episodes. We have a lot of people who do that. Lots of shameless binge listening and then know that you can leave us a review because our reviews are our ratings. And that is how more people find us. It allows the show to grow. It allows me to do bigger, better things and get more amazing guests. So you can leave a review by going to shamelessmom.com forward slash review. That will let you hop right into iTunes where you can leave that five-star review. You can also subscribe to the show at that same link over at shamelessmom.com forward slash review. So thanks for listening. Thanks for spending time today with Michelle and with me. And please do come back again for our next episode. I can't wait to talk more. And until next time, make sure no matter what you do today, you do it shamelessly. I'm Margaret. And I'm Amy. And together we host the podcast, What Fresh Hell? Laughing in the Face of Motherhood. Margaret, I would say you're sort of a where are my keys kind of mom. Correct. Sometimes a where are my kids kind of mom. (laughs) Well, you're Amy more of a, we were supposed to leave 35 seconds ago, mom. I mean, touche. In each episode of What Fresh Hell, we come at a topic from our usually completely opposite perspectives. I bring the research. And I bring kind of the gimlet eye. Like, is that research really going to work, people? And almost 10 million downloads later, we're still laughing. We also talk to experts in the parenting field, plus parents with stories we can all learn from. We make each other laugh, we challenge each other's assumptions, and we have what we think is the best parenting community on the internet. Check out What Fresh Hell? Laughing in the Face of Motherhood wherever you listen to podcasts.